1: Okay, we're 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 rolling guys. So uh this is another edition of Kaiju Transmissions. Uh I am Kyle Bird and I do have a co host. Matt Parmley. Yes, that's you. Yeah man. Did you know that?
2: Uh shop and introduce our guest.
1: <laughs> okay. Well we we have a uh, we have um, a a guest host, uh and you know him, you'll love him. His name is Trevor. He's been here many times, and uh, why don't why don't you introduce yourself?
0: Because you just introduced me.
1: Oh well. Bird, Bird
2: <laughs> continues our long line of awkward introductions. <laughs> if this is the uh, just
0: curious though, because I love puns and Halloween puns in particular. If this is the Halloween episode, are you going to call this one Kai Boo transmissions?
2: Oh man, that's that's kind of genius. But remember the last time that we like changed our name. They had to stay that way for a week <laughs> because of, like, Facebook Protocol. Oh, yeah, Facebook Protocol about, like, really
0: screwed us up. <laughs> when it was some show that had to do with, like, turds or something? <laughs>
1: oh, man, yeah, I can't even remember what it was, but I think it was turds. Something. It was mo- monster. Monster turds, yeah. Yeah, t- <laughs> yeah mon- giant monsters. <laughs>
2: I feel like we're just really bad at podcasting, guys. <laughs> oh, man.
1: That's not what the fans have told me.
2: I will say I enjoy it when uh, our fans give us feedback and they say that because of an episode, they went out and checked out a movie that they otherwise may not have. Because that's the point of why we do this a lot of times. We want people to uh, expand their horizons. I think today gives a pretty good example of that.
1: Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, is there anything... Uh, I guess there's not really anything going on. Um, I, I have read the uh, Shiro Honda biography by Steve Rifle and Ed Godzichewski and it is wonderful Matt have you made any headway I haven't
2: finished but I am it's it what I've read has been great incredibly informative Uh, it's a hard book to honestly put down once you start
1: so yeah it's a good yeah it's 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 good stuff and um I know there have if you check out their Facebook page they have a lot of events going on uh, to to promote this book and uh shout out to my friend chris olio uh he has uh an event um that he is a part of on october 25th uh and that is godzilla day at comic book jones in new york city and uh there will be uh jeff zornow the uh artist who did a lot of the idw godzilla art as well as steve rifle co-author of that book. So if you're in the New York area, uh, it's in Staten Island on October 25th, 10 a.m. to 8.30 p.m., an all-day event. Go check it out. So shout-out to Chris, uh, and I just wanted to give him a, a plug there because I've known him a long time, and he's a good guy. So, with that... Bird Bird. yes, there,
2: there is one bit of news. Uh, it was announced today that Takayuki Hattori... Uh, the composer from Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla and Godzilla 2000 will be scoring the new Godzilla anime film that comes out next month.
1: So it's going to have a score that sounds like it was recorded while he was asleep.
2: And we'll put you to sleep, but yes. that's <laughs> He's also known for like a lot of his anime work. Like well, no yeah,
1: yeah I, I, will, I will give him a fair shot because he's done a lot of stuff since those movies. So, I mean, who knows? Uh... But I,
2: I have to admit, I'm not overly ecstatic about it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've only heard the Godzilla scores he did, and I, I don't really care much for him. But Trev, what do you think of that? <laughs> what?
0: Me, Sorry, I was point. falling asleep <laughs> over here. <laughs> that's
2: exactly right, Trev. That's exactly right.
1: Uh, <laughs> all right. So I
2: am uh, I'm recording outside. So if you hear the the crickets and the, the uh, sounds well, of the night, that's because, you know, well,
1: it, it's, it's October. Yes. Uh... I know I know we we've, we've been hitting people hard and heavy with interviews with with I don't know Matt's hooked us up with all kinds of interviews lately and that we we've been we've been putting those out but let us not forget that it is October and um, some people say shocktober some people say rocktober it's true or schlocktober even all right <laughs> um and it, what is going on right now uh, anyway, um, as a podcaster who enjoys horror films, it's something I do with Trev here on our other podcast. If it bleeds, we can kill it. If you want to hear me and Trev talk about non-Japanese, well, I guess sometimes we will talk about Japanese stuff, but just just genre films in general. Uh, check it out. You want to know what we thought, uh, Trev? Do you think people want to hear what we thought about like the last uh, uh, Blade Runner? Check it out. Well, I guess we didn't talk about that, did we?
0: <laughs> yeah, we haven't done that, but uh, <laughs> maybe we will at some point. Well, if you but... like
1: us and want to hear what we have to say about other movies, check us out. And also, Trev, I will plug your X-Men podcast. It's called Days of Future Podcast. If you're an mm-hmm. X-Men fan, you owe it to yourself to check it out. Uh, now, Trev, I, I understand that you are you have rave reviews of The Gifted, right?
0: Um. Well, I mean, so I I hadn't said anything yet, but I will be recording that episode tomorrow. Uh, Oh, did you actually watch it? I did. Thumbs up. Um, All I
1: want is thumbs up or thumbs down.
0: All right. Be prepared to be shocked. Thumb mildly leaning up at
1: this point. Okay. I might give it a shot then. Yeah. Anyway, what we do on If It Bleeds around this time of year is uh, episodes about horror movies, and we do have some stuff like that coming up, which we got to figure out that stuff. But we're doing that here. And uh, we did it last year as well. And right now, uh, we're actually going to talk about um, another series of movies that, Trev, you, you kind of turned me on to. This is the Echo Echo Azarac. Am I saying that right? Does anyone know?
0: I think that sounds right, Echo Echo Azarak. They say it in the film, like, a That's bunch true. of times. Uh,
1: which is actually a, uh, a Wiccan chant. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, remember... Wikis? Yeah, because if you look this up, if you look up
0: Echo Echo on Wikipedia, the main entry is actually on the chant itself,
1: not the franchise. Yeah, and there's also an Electric Wizard song by the same name. Um, Ooh, but, you should end the episode with that. Oh, yeah, it's going to be like 20 minutes. <laughs> <for
2: sure. laughs> Just do like, you know, a fade, fade out, man. Yeah.
1: <laughs> 20 minute stoner rock dirge, but... It is a good song, though. <laughs> it is. Um, but, uh, so anyway... Um... There's three movies we're gonna talk about. Although this in Japan, uh, this is a fairly large, big franchise uh, that started as a manga in 1975, um, and in the 90s, uh, that's when what was called V cinema was huge. That's where a lot of like I guess uh, the new wave of Japanese like genre filmmakers like Mike came out of that. But that was. Like, these low-budget movies that would come out on video, but they would actually, like, pick up a lot of steam and be really credible. Um, And we have three of those uh, from 95 through 98 to talk about. But there's also um, several reboot uh, films. There's, I think, a a live-action series. Uh, Toei did an anime adaptation. So uh, it's quite a web of media. But we're going to stick to these.
2: I have the uh the the manga which i read some of that today and it's uh not quite the same as the movies
1: (laughs) (laughs) well uh, since i think you're probably the only person that's actually even looked at a a a single panel of of the source material is there anything you can tell us about it or i mean i don't know how much you actually got to look at or 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 what so
2: i I mean i read um like six kind of random um entries in 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 the manga and uh yeah, so so Misa is your your main in the in the film. She's actually the protagonist, and in the manga, she's actually either neutral or very much evil, and her motivations are different. Like in the in the manga, she's made a contract uh, with Satan, and she has to do his bidding even if she doesn't want to. Like she's forced to kill a young boy at one point. But in the very first, uh, what stuck out to me is in the very first story. Um, she is a fortune teller and this, this little boy is complaining about, he doesn't, he's not as smart, smart as his brother. He never gets good grades and his family is kind of chastising him about it. And so he wishes to get good grades. And so his wish is granted when the, when, our, when Misa gives him this doll that he is told to impale on the head. And when he does that, he will get intelligence. Well, he does it and not unbeknownst to him, what's happened is he steals his brother's intelligence his brother goes crazy and then stabs him and they both end up dying. <laughs> it's insane. Um, but yeah, I mean, Misa is very, uh, she's very dark and it's implied in the stories. At, at the end of every story, she's walking around saying the chant, Echo, Echo, Azurac. And she leaves and she goes to a new school and that begins the, the next entry. So everything is kind of self-contained for the most part. Um, the idea of, of her walking away, may, having that chant is is gonna be something that we'll probably talk about later during this episode but yeah I mean it's it's um, the, I mean there's some really grotesque stuff in there which is kind of neat like there's a guy that like coughs up his entrails there's one scene where like uh, misa seduces this boy that you think she was helping the entire time only to basically turn into this naked wolf and devours him or like bites out his stomach it's it's very different from the films but I mean if you like that Kind of horror stuff, then yeah, check it out. That
1: actually sounds pretty sweet.
2: <laughs> it, uh, I'm probably hyping it up. I mean, like, I, I read it and thought it was okay. Um, but I did like some of the, the death sequences, are pretty nice.
1: <laughs> um,. Well, that's hey, do cool. You just,
0: do you want me to just briefly talk about like why I, how I even found this? Well, yeah,
1: that. I, well, I know Trev. You went through a big J horror phase. Yeah, uh,
0: that's really where this came out of. Because I was just thinking while you were talking about it. You know, this episode might seem maybe somewhat baffling to some people, just because I feel like this is not really necessarily a franchise that ever really caught on here and took off in a way a lot of other um, kind of more known Japanese series did. And really for me, this just came out of a period, and you guys I'm sure you remember this too, Bird, you and I have talked about this, where there's a big period where, you know, during the the um, kind of more early days of the DVD boom, uh, when we had a lot of stores still around, like, you know, Suncoast and, uh, you know, Media Play and uh, stores like that, Circuit City, you know, having these kind of big DVD sections, uh, FYEs were still more prevalent you, a lot of companies existed like, you know, Tokyo Shock and Media mm-hmm. Blasters who, uh, who were just putting out all this, like, kind of, you know, Asian genre stuff. And that's when, you know, the Ringu and Juan and stuff kind of came over here. And then at a point, I was just kind of buying any J-horror stuff that looked somewhat interesting and then I heard just the littlest faint praise for, you know. And I remember coming across this box set of these three movies called Echo Echo Hazarac, and it just looked like, I don't know, it, you know, oh, cool, like something about a, you know, witch fighting evil spirits japanese seems like it's ticking all my boxes and if i recall correctly it was like actually a pretty cheap box set too for three movies so i kind of did just blind buy this to a certain degree um based off of the price and just seeming like it fell into a genre i was really into at the time and uh you know it turned out to be well somewhat a pleasant surprise we'll get into you know maybe not all the way but but that's kind of how i found it and i i at the time i thought for sure. I was like, you know, this is going to become a thing here and this will keep going. And I feel like it really just went away. Um, and I, you don't hear people talk about this that often, at least here in America. And when I think I first told you about it a couple of years ago, bird, I wasn't at all surprised really that you hadn't really got mm. into it yet. Cause it just seemed like something that never really, capture the same kind of cult audience as some of the other stuff did here like i feel like even like the uh sushi typhoon stuff and stuff like that took off more than this did here
1: oh yeah yeah i, I was definitely familiar with it um mm-hmm. but i i think i think the first couple movies like i think kind of had some ex- we're kind of covered a bit and then it, yeah just kind of like went away but yeah i, I mean it, you just say media blasters and it's like early 2000s they released everything whether i mean mm-hmm. even some kaiju stuff and then uh the other I one i miss was, those uh, days so much oh, i know and the other one was uh tartan tartan asian yeah, tartan extreme, extreme yeah. yeah like put out so much they were good releases too like special features and everything and yeah, I, I I feel like they would still be like Media Blasters is still around, but it's run by like two guys, and I think just to keep the lights on, it's mostly like they release like a lot of hentai and like stuff like that. And I guess I mean that's what they got to do to keep the the machine running. But man, the, yeah, that was a, that was a golden age. And yeah, yeah they, they
0: were at the time just thinking like, man, this is great. Like Japan's awesome. They're just doing nothing with these crazy like genre films. And like so you guys know more about this to, to, than I do, but today it's like I, you know, I've talked a little bit about this with you, and I've even talked with Norman about it. I'm like, is it really that it's like not a thing over there anymore, or is it just like they don't come over here anymore? For so you know because we don't have these companies actually putting them out on DVD here, and we don't get a sense of how prevalent it is. But
1: yeah, unfortunately, I, I really feel like if physical media wasn't in such bad shape, we probably would still be getting a lot of this stuff. But it's like. I mean, if even like the major releases aren't selling, you know, these little companies. Like, I mean, Trev, we we did a whole podcast with Don from Synapse about just like how challenging it is to keep a little label like that going. Um. But uh. But yeah. Uh. So this is uh. This is this was my first dip into this series. Um. And I was like watching new stuff also. Um. And what I mean, what caught my eye about it was that um. These were actually co-produced by Subaraya, um, not necessarily Subaraya Productions, but Akira Subaraya, who was the son of Eiji Subaraya. I don't know if they if he's still doing it, but but at one point he splintered off um, and made a sub company, or maybe maybe he just started it himself. But he made Subaraya Films, and I guess he was like, you know, enough of this Ultraman superhero stuff. I want to get dark and into the nitty gritty. Um, and yeah, there were some weird horror movies that that they produced, um, that Subaraya produced, and these were, these were some of them. So I guess we start in 1995 with, uh, Echo Echo Azarak Wizard of Darkness. Um, and, uh, we'll get into the convoluted nature of what these movies are, uh, because it gets a little complicated once we get to the third one, but um the first two movies pretty much go together um and i was i was uh interested to see this is actually if the first these first two movies are a female director shimako sato um who i guess she's done some video game stuff and um uh like uh if people know k20 legend of the mask um she wrote some s- the space battleship yamato i was looking at her credits so and uh oh and uh on the dvd uh there's an interview with her and i guess in the manga they refer to misa as a witch but when she was a little girl in like reading fantasy and stuff everyone told her that females can't be called wizards and she didn't like that cuz she wanted to be a wizard and that's why in these movies they call her a wizard i thought that was pretty cool um Anyway, it's sort of a version of what Matt said about the manga in that it, it seems that Misa is going to different schools where there is supernatural or satanic activity, only she, she's, she's pretty much a, a hero, you know, a warrior for, for uh, uh, what do you call it? I don't know, satanic justice. Um, and she, she moves to a new school. And uh there's a lot of weird stuff going on. They got uh a guy outside that like checks I guess checks them when they come in and he's groping girls and uh one of the teachers is having a, a an affair with one of the the school girls, uh and it's it, it's weird. But anyway, there is some some activity going on and uh some some people are being murdered. Uh, We actually get a pretty cool scene at the beginning where a woman is in an alley and for some reason she's surrounded by Megadeth posters, like the band (laughs) Megadeth, (laughs) and her head gets crushed, uh, which was pretty wild. Um, But it turns out... Not by a Megadeth poster. (laughs) Yeah, that would be even better. Um, But anyway, Misa, the transfer student, who's a witch, uh, I'm sorry, wizard, um, uh, is... uh, is onto it. And she thinks that there may be so the, the murders all have a connection and that geographically they are making a, uh, a kind of pentagram shape and she knows something's up. So she transfers into this school and it does indeed turn out that there are other students playing with the dark forces um, and uh, it goes deep and uh, in, in there, there's faculty involved and it, it pretty much just gets crazy from there. We have some really cool set pieces that I'm sure we'll talk about in a bit. Um, but uh, yeah, it's not quite like anything I'd seen before, really. Um, I really like this one, uh, but I, I've been yammering on enough with, with my version of a plot synopsis. So, um, Trev, I know we watched these it's probably my first time, your first time probably in a long time, and Matt, you just watched mm-hmm. them for the very first time. Um, Matt, why don't we start with, I guess, what your impressions were of, of this one as being your first taste, um, and, and really just something very strange. Uh, so how, how do you like Wizard of Darkness? What do you, what do you, what were your impressions of this? Uh, a
2: lot of, a lot of gropage, a lot of, uh, lesbians. That was, that was different. It wasn't, I don't think I was ready for all that. But, uh, the, uh, the story itself is, is pretty interesting, and the, the gore the special effects honestly they're wonderful um it, we don't often associate you know Super with this kind of stuff but as we talked about earlier in the, in the epi- er, earlier tonight um seeing like subaraya effects in a uh horror film is a lot of fun a lot of you know goopy drippy just the 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 blood is just awesomely done um, the characters in this film are, are, Misa especially, I mean, I feel like she's a fairly strong character, and when all the people start, you know, all the, the, students start dying, there's a lot of, um, weight placed on their deaths and the impact to the other characters within the story, so I mean, it's, it's fairly straightforward, there's not like an intricate plot per se, but there are some twists and turns, um, towards the end, and I, overall, I, th- I think I really enjoyed it, it was just, a kind of a fun sit back, kick your feet up and watch people die kind of movie.
1: Yeah. Um, I should mention, uh, at least for me, like a big part of it as it is I really like in the third act, basically all the kids are trapped in the classroom and you know, it, it turns into a body count thing literally because, uh, like the, the haunted chalkboard or whatever is counting how many of them are left alive. And, uh, they, they do some really creative stuff with that. Um, Trev, how did this one hold up for you?
0: Um, yeah, pretty well. Kind of exactly what Matt said. I, I do think, like you just said, uh, simplicity sells with this one. I suppose. Um, you know, I, I I like this series. I like more of it than I don't. We'll talk about which one I don't like soon. But I, it's there's something about this series, and Matt kind of agrees. And I, Bert, I don't know if you agree. It's like even if I wa- we just watched these recently, and I still find them kind of hard to remember.
1: Well, I think. Well, I. And, your, and it, I. I think it's because like. I don't know. They're, well, they're, I have a theory They're complicated, about it. but they're not. They're That's simple, exactly it, but they're right? complicated.
0: They're, the stories are so simple, and like not much really happens in them, that it's easy for them to just kind of like wash over you while you watch it, and then they kind of instantly start fading from your memory a little bit after you watch them. I
1: think... I think and I
0: don't mean that in a super negative way, because they're enjoyable while you watch them, but there's not... I don't know. There's something about the stories that don't hook you and stay with you afterwards. And so the nice thing about that is I guess you could keep revisiting them every few years. And it's kind of like watching them for the first time again, but I, I have like kind of a hard time thinking of specific things about this one. I do remember what I liked about it is what you said is that there's a vibe to this one that to me is very um, like evil dead ish. And it's not to say it's as good as evil dead, but it, it's like in that realm of like, it's just a fun like B movie with these characters stuck somewhere, demons trying to kill them and, like, crap goes crazy, and then you have all this crazy gore and awesome deaths and just a bunch of, you know, kind of walking – a walking body count movie, essentially. And it is a lot of fun. Um, I, I think the, the general idea of Misa is pretty interesting. Like, it's a great hook, right? I mean, you hear that, like, oh, this this wizard, this witch, whatever you want to call her, that travels the country transferring to school to school where there's bad stuff going on, and she comes in to save the day. Like, that just sounds like a TV show, you know, right off the bat, which, you know, has been done, too. But – I like the hook. The movie's fun. I just don't know if I would say anything really sticks with me a lot to say it's like a classic or anything. But man, around this time of year, if you just want to watch like a cool, gory movie about magic shenanigans in high school, you could do a lot worse than this, obviously.
1: oh yeah. well, I think um I think the I think the pro the, the story is simple, but they always they all do this. They all get into like these really convoluted rituals where like. The rituals that they have their own rules, and then, especially with this one, there's several twists where, you know, you f- you find out the person you think is responsible for it actually isn't who is actually doing it, or they were accomplishing someone else, and so, uh, yeah, I think I think it's a convoluted, they all get into convoluted mythology kind of stuff, but the story itself is simple, because the story is... Yeah, I mean, you can you can boil it down to girl transfers into school where there's supernatural not uh, crap going on that's bad and murders are taking place. And they end up, I guess, I don't know if you want to call it a curse, but basically they can't leave the school. And they all get picked off one by one by um, these people playing with voodoo dolls and stuff like that. And, I mean, that's the plot. But, yeah, the reason I think specifics are harder to recall is because they they get into these rituals where certain things need to happen a certain way um hmm. the third one probably gets into that the the most which i think is we'll talk about how why that one is that's probably what weighs it down a lot um
0: but do you guys think do you, would you two agree I man i agree i'll ask the question instead do you guys think you kind of have to be a, at least a little bit of a gore hound to be into these like is that the main appeal cuz to me that's the stuff that sticks with me right as i remember like how much yeah. i like the gore in particular and i think and i think that's what was kind of sold on here too you know like i said maybe what you know why why this one came over here was they're like well people love these like really violent japanese films and this is certainly in that in that bag
1: oh yeah i mean the first like i said the one of the first scenes is a woman's head getting crushed and brain splattering yeah. all over the place like we should like, say
0: like because you listening to us just describe the story i think someone could legit think like oh are these kind of classy films or classy horror films they're not
1: (laughs) no no no, this is
0: like this is pure b-movie like it goes exploitation the the last act
1: leans super hard into exploitation even getting down to like like you have the the teacher student student like lesbian affair i mean and i mean that's pure exploitation like sleeves but it i mean and i mean that in the most affectionate way obviously Mm -hmm. um but there's yeah, uh, outside of the gore, I don't think. What now? There's, What's that?
2: There's just nothing. There's nothing appealing outside of the gore at all.
1: Uh, I mean, I think that I think it has a decently spooky kind of atmosphere. Um and like I said, I mean, there are some cool set pieces. My favorite one actually isn't a gory one. It's the girl that's stuck in the the uh the restroom and she and like everything overflows and she ends up drowning. That just is a horrible way to go. Uh, and I, yeah, I, but uh, that's probably actually my favorite like death in it. Although, I mean, yeah, the gore stuff in the last act is cool. And of course, the, the stuff with the chalkboard. And I mean, they play with a lot of like supernatural elements. Like when they're like, why don't we just leave the school and they walk out the door and then they, the door just takes them back into the school they're like what the hell is that like that was yeah there's cool. a, there's occasionally
0: some clever things that happen in it and i mean it's it's enough to move you along i do think the gore is like the key element but i think if you're into just like kind of magic and stuff like that too those uh, that kind of storytelling you might be into it um but you also uh i don't know if you wanted to mention that when uh like lucifer shows up in this it looks like the cover of a heavy metal album which is oh yeah awesome
1: <laughs> oh totally <laughs> <laughs> um the, there's some CG effects uh, for some of the more outlandish stuff towards the end that probably hasn't held up. I mean, so straight to video movie from 1995. I guess can't can't hold it against them too much. But um,
2: the only thing that makes that bearable is the fact that it's shot in such a dark frame that like it hides a lot of it. I think.
1: Yeah. Um, but I mean, it, it, it does have like a, a cool mystery element. Uh, I know the first time I saw it, the big twist at the end, I definitely didn't see coming. Um, uh, and yeah, uh, I mean the characters, I do like the characters. There's, uh, there's Misa and then there's the class president who just seems like the nicest girl in the world. Um, and you know. We don't want to give away spoilers, but there's other characters as well uh, that get involved. And um, I know Trev and I were laughing at, but the one guy in the movie that like <laughs> that is always whining. Guy. He's like he always just seems to be whining because he's like not a good wizard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and well, we also I, I, the the guy the the gropey guy like shits yeah. himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's actually better. a couple like.
0: Um, I mean, you go into this kind of film, and especially when they put a body count up on the board, you kind of have a sense like, "Well, well, probably everyone except for Misa or their days are numbered." But I actually think this will be like the order people die in is pretty surprising, and it's at times. And I think also it sometimes more people die at once than you expect, and the body count maybe moves
1: along a little quicker. <laughs> oh yeah, there's there's the different. part where the the board is like it's just like erasing number after number after yeah. number. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no i i think there's a lot to like here um i i really like this one um i feel like maybe i'm I, between the three of us i might be in the minority but i think this might be my favorite of the three i i i really enjoy this 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 one a lot
0: i think there's something to be said for that it's not my favorite but i i i get why someone would like this one the most because i think it is the most it's the most simple one so that's i yeah you, because you're dumb bird no that's oh. not what i mean but <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is, it's like, I, you, like you said, they all have a level of complexity in terms of like the, the spells and everything and the, the overall plot, but this is certainly the most like just turn off your brain and kind of enjoy it one. Like you could really have this on in the background while you're doing something and not miss a beat, you know, and just kind of check in on it occasionally and, and basically follow what's happening. Where I'd say the next two, you have to be a little bit more invested. Mm-hmm
1: yeah i feel like this one is the most uh the director i think this i feel like this is the one where it it, this one feels the most playful i think which might be kind of going back to what you were saying about the evil dead vibe Mm
2: -hmm.
1: but yeah this one feels the most playful i think that's why i like this one a lot um but uh i would watch this one again actually this out of all three of these this is the only one i watched twice so I would watch it again um mm-hmm. uh so i don't know how many uh <laughs> how many mega how many haunted megadeth posters do you give this out of five
0: <laughs> uh haunted Meg- i'd give it three haunted megadeth posters out of five
1: okay. i'm gonna two dial it up just a little bit and do Two and, and a half.
2: i don't know why i talk like that but yeah two and a half
1: Damn, that's cold, Matt. I mean, it's it,
2: it's all right. It's watchable. I'm, I, unlike you, I have no desire to see this again.
1: Oh, well. So. <laughs> well, you know what, Matt? Well, we'll we'll just have to agree to disagree. I mean, that's fine. It's fine, fine.
2: Grav, talk about number two.
0: Ooh, all right. Uh, so we move on to. 1996's echo echo azurek Two: birth of the wizard uh once again directed by birds so that pronounce this for me so i don't sound like an idiot <laughs> uh
1: i don't know if i'm doing the first name right but i know i'm doing this, the last name right <laughs> shimako sato
0: yeah okay thank you because i probably would have said like shimeko Sato or something um <laughs> but you know uh, same director same uh actress playing uh, misa but interestingly enough you hear the title about birth of the wizard well what what could that mean so this is actually not a sequel it's a prequel and that was kind of surprising to me I, I think we didn't even mention this for the first one i wish we had now so we could cycle back to why this what i think was cool about this is one thing that is pretty cool about the first one is that it does just kind of you know present Misa with no real context she's just this kind of character that wanders in we find out she's this witch that goes to school school and does this and uh i kind of would have been fine if they just kept it going like that but it's also sort of interesting that. This bird, you and I talked about this while watching the film. I can't think of any other franchise except for Indiana Jones that did one movie and then instantly said, we got to do a prequel now.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That is, that is prequels come along a little later. that's, 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 That's pretty uncommon. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So we, we got the first movie that set her up and then this one says like, well, maybe we should really go back and tell the origin. And, uh, if the first one was evil dead, I think this one is pretty heavily influenced by the terminator um i don't know if that you guys kind of picked up that vibe but it seems fairly clear the like, watch it uh well the hidden also but it's, and oh, jason like,
1: jason was was this before jason goes to hell?
0: uh 96 yeah i believe or like right around the same i don't know actually jason goes to hell might have been before this okay because if let's it was you could hell. say jason goes to hell also yeah well let's say the hidden <laughs> let's give <laughs> them some credit okay uh, uh, it's like the Terminator meets the Hidden, because what this one does, it, at first it opens up way back in the past, and we see this kind of ancient village where this kind of witch is slaughtering everybody. And they, uh, there's this hero that actually gets kind of – a time-traveling hero that's sent forward to kind of look over Misa, because for some reason there's this like prophecy that Misa will be the one to eventually defeat this witch. And he first encounters Misa as a very little girl. And kind of, you know, tells, you know, she beats him and he just kind of, te- you know, protects her, watches over her. And so she grows up remembering this guy and has like this idea of him as like in their head of like this crush she had when she was a little kid. But she hasn't seen him in years. Unfortunately, at this time now, she's, you know, she's a young teenager. She's just a normal high school student because she's not the Misa we know yet. She's hanging out with her friends at a, dep- at a small little apartment, playing video games, talking about the X-Files as you
1: do on a Friday night, I guess. Um we should say that we get a, a a whole conversation about the hotness of Mulder. Yeah, Fox Mulder and how yeah. hot he is is disgusting. I totally by. forgot about that. You said it. <laughs> but meanwhile, somewhere
0: else in Japan, an archaeologist kinda unearths this, this mummy and it kinda suddenly comes to life and possesses her, takes her over. And it turns out that this, what this actually is, is the mummy was that witch that we saw in the village at the beginning. And basically, her spirit now has the ability to leap from body to body. And that's where our, our hidden and Jason goes to hell connection that we mentioned comes from. So it is now coming after Misa. Um, it shows up at the apartment, slaughters her friends, and what I also thought was a surprising moment because again i think you know you're trained to kind of think like oh all these characters are going to stick around they're going to be like this kind of team and she's gonna have to protect them nope they're all gone pretty instantly spoilers and um that protector guy shows up and you know basically grabs misa pulls her out of there and they go on the run from this witch that is now possessing different bodies throughout the course of the film and this is where i say it becomes like terminator because he's even kind of dressed like kyle reese he's got the trench coat He's pulling her from location to location, and they're being stalked by this, you know, being that is leaping from different body to different body. There's one part where it takes over a police officer and, like, kills everybody in the police department. Uh, again, Shades of Terminator. Um, so it, this one is just, like, a little bit more propulsive. It's not locked into one location, it's her and her protector on the run constantly. And all this time, she doesn't know what's under, she doesn't have any idea what's going on. She doesn't understand why she's being targeted who's after her and she certainly doesn't think she has any powers and meanwhile this this man's uh seiga i believe his name is or saiga he's he's offering her, like trying to explain to her that she has this destiny and she has these powers inside her and she's eventually going to be this all-powerful wizard that will be you know destined to save the world and so we're watching her in this film unlock that and of course it's called birth of the wizard Let's not beat around the bush. This is obviously her origin story. We see, we see her kind of become the Misa we find in part two in this film. Um, but yeah, so this is the one. I like this one the best. I don't know that it's a better film necessarily. But I think that since there is more going on and since it's kind of, you know, it's constantly moving just like the last one was. But it's moving from location to location. There's a bit of more of a chase element to it. Uh, it still has the gore but it just has a little bit more to it for me to sink my teeth into. And, and this is the one I kind of find the most memorable as, as memorable as any of them are, which isn't extremely, but this is the one I like the most.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, this is the most enjoyable. I also agree that it may not be the most, it, it may not be more polished than the first one, but I like this one a lot more. Um, mm-hmm. There's a, my, one of my favorite scenes is like actually when the first desk, this guy gets his, Head just crushed by hands. It's it's wonderful. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's constant uh, tension, which mm-hmm. I enjoyed. The, the story is pretty straightforward and, and slick, and it and it moves fast. It moves very quickly.
0: Yeah, and I, I just want to quickly say too. I forgot to like. I think Misa is the most interesting and most likable in this one. Because there's something like as she was fine in the first one, but the fact that she was already just a fully formed Misa and kind of comes in and is basically lying to everyone, like not telling them who she is. <laughs> and then this very guarded and just there's there's just not there's not much there. And in this one, because she spends the majority of the film actually scared and confused, and not know what's happening. We get to see more growth from her. Right. There's more of a character arc and just more. She's more fasted in this one. And I think the the performance is better, and the character is just
1: better drawn out,
2: plus you get arms like hacked off and people chopped in half it's It's glorious
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um no i I like this one too uh it's, its I think Terminator meets the Hidden is definitely the best way to like give a log line to someone um this one i th- I think this one it has the best character work just because you do see. Misa have an arc, which i mean no no one in the first movie really has an arc it's you know she she comes in saves the day, but here you, you know you see her start out as an you know a normal schoolgirl, and by the end she's a a a wizard so um and and it it's it's pretty smart about how it wants to give you. The pieces of backstory you know in different in different flashbacks and and stuff like that Um, and you know i appreciate that they're willing to do that instead of just giving you you know laying all the chips on the table and just laying it all out at once which i think a lot of i guess movies that are probably like written a lot lazier would do you know um it's willing to let you kind of go along on the journey with her um and yeah just like the last one Uh, really good gore, uh, good set pieces, um, uh, the guy that sends the Japanese Kyle Reese back in time is actually, uh, Hideo Amamoto, uh, who, I mean, is no stranger to Godzilla fans, or, uh, you know, he's Doctor Who when King Kong escapes, um, he's in everything, but, um... So yeah, I mean it's nice to see see him in a, a rare, like later role in his life. Um But yeah, I, I mean just like the last one, this one really keeps the atmosphere dark. It keeps it um it keeps things moving, definitely. I, I think I think this one's a little more serious than the first one. Um where I, I think and I mean maybe that was something that Sato intentionally did just to maybe sell um the situation since we're we're since misa is gonna is scared in this one where i don't know if she's really scared in the last one but um but no this it it was good stuff um uh i really think this one and the last one uh i mean they're both really short movies i think this is like a really solid double feature here yeah i think
0: so too i think they really work well together i I think if there's any kind of like um, I hesitate to even say negative. Like one thing that stuck out to me about this one is that when Misa becomes Misa in the end, it kind of happens very abruptly. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's very uh, like deus ex machina that suddenly she just is like, Oh, I'm an awesome wizard and I have these powers. But I mean, that's like such a nitpicky thing to attack movies of this quality anyways. You know, like that, I don't mean that as a slam. I just mean if you go in these knowing that they're just kind of these like fun little B movies that kind of story issue probably won't bother you too much, even though it does, like, stick out to me as something I remember being like, huh, yeah, I, that could have been a little bit more developed, but whatever. Like, I'm here to see gore and crazy effects and, yeah. you know, just fun stuff. So, hey.
1: My guess is, because uh, this one, this is like, she, like, summons a monster at the end of this one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my guess is they probably just wanted to go all in on there, probably for budget reasons, to be honest. But, but yeah, it is a little, like, a little, there is a little bit of a leap there, but... But yeah, I, I agree with you. It's not something I would fault fault it for too much when so much of it like works so well. Yeah. Um yeah, it, 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 it's a it's a cool little movie. Um Uh so are you so are you two in agreement that you guys this is your favorite? Yep. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um So uh how many hot molders do you give Birth of the Wizard <laughs> out of five?
2: I'm going three. It's, uh, it's really enjoyable. Like, I, if I were to watch any of these again, it would be this one. I don't know that I will. But, like, it's, again, it's very fun. Just let's watch people die and leave it at that, basically.
0: Yeah, this one's a three and a half for me. And you might think, well, that's your favorite three and a half. But yeah, but that this that, that's the kind of series this is like, it doesn't need to be more than that. This is just a nice, enjoyable, you know, 90 minute, uh, you know, kind of fun gore fest and three and a half is actually, it's pretty, it's pretty decent. And like I said, with the other one being a three, I agree with you bird that I think, on a, you know, Saturday night got nothing to watch looking for just a couple, you know, fun, you know, genre films. Echo Echoes Rack One and Two is, is a really nice double yeah. bill and and I, and I like that I like this one more because it, it ends on a better note I think
1: especially this time of year this is good this is good October viewing
0: yeah it is there's something just really kind of fun you know like witches and crazy magic and stuff and dark you know occult stuff it's it's always fun to watch around this time of year
1: yeah um, I'd go ahead and I'd I'd give this one three Hot molders. Um but I mean it's it's a good three I mean that's a re- it's a, it's a recommended three like i i recommend these um to people looking for you know cool movies to watch this time of year mm-hmm. um and i i think that if you like horror movies and you like gore and supernatural stuff or if you just like japanese horror um these are short uh i mean yeah put them on and i, I don't think you would be you would be sorry that you watched them
0: um, So we walk out of this thinking, like, man, those are pretty good. I can't wait to see what this actress and director do with this next.
1: (laughs) Okay, well, here is where uh, things get complicated. And I think the only reason we're probably even talking about this is because it's it it, it, you have it as part of the the box (laughs) set and media blasters matt
0: was probably like why am i even watching this here well sorry Matt. (laughs) this is my fault because the first i have sold it as a trilogy which is not necessarily true Yeah, and then media
1: blasters packaged it as a trilogy which i guess to them is just these are the three we have the rights to so i'll really quickly i mean now is probably as good a time as any to break down what the 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 film adaptations of Echo Echo Azarak are like. So you have the first two movies, the Sato films, which are together, and that's they're a great double bill. So you can okay, so those are together. You shove those to the side here. Now at some point now, because you'll notice we we jump from ninety six to ninety eight. So I guess uh, I guess for whatever reason, uh, Tsuburaya had decided to do a TV series that. You know, just starting from scratch, just a, a a TV show adaptation of of the source material.
0: Well, what do you mean for any reason? I think like that's kind of obvious. Like, right? So I there's just something about the story that lends itself. To oh TV. yeah, yeah. To like, so th- me, this is like a I definite so. like Buffy situation where they looked at a movie and said, "Oh, you know what? This would actually work really well as a TV series."
1: So the series happens, and I, this happens, in with Japanese shows all the time, especially anime. Although this was a live action show, um, they didn't do a sec another season. Um, and like I said, in English language material for this whole like franchise is hard to find. In fact, probably the most informative piece I've found at all was uh, a, um, talking about this movie, and that was an interview with the screenwriter in um, an old G fan from like four years ago. Um, but anyway, uh, so th- I'll tell you what I what he said. So it's, his name's Kengo. Uh, Kaji, uh, he's a big writer over at Tsuburaya and he's directed a lot of Ultraman and written a lot of Ultraman Ultraman Max, Ultraman maybe, Ultra 7X um, uh, and he also wrote Tokyo Gore Police um, so he, he's uh, a, a, a working writer for sure um, but I guess uh, Tsuburaya approached him about this and I guess um what they had him do for this was they had him take all the ideas that they would have done in a second season and throw it into a movie. And the movie is basically what you get instead of a second season. So the Misa in this is a different actress from the last two. It's the actress from the series. Um, and then I, I it looks like there's some holdovers from there. Like Trev and I uh, <laughs> were, took a confused note of the fact that she lives with like her wacky uncle, <laughs> and the, right? And he's always wearing like mm-hmm. he's always wearing like weird pajamas and stuff. Um, so yeah, anyone who puts this on after the last two and is like, "Oh, part three, here we go." They're gonna be like, "Who's this actress? Who's the crazy uncle? Why is it like this?" And uh, that's why. Um, and obviously, condensing a lot of ideas for a season of a show uh, into a low budget thing like this um this writer even said he's not necessarily happy with how it all turned out and there was a lot of stuff they couldn't do but um that's why this came out to be what it was um who who has uh who who has the the synopsis for this matt it's you right all right well Uh, (laughs) discuss uh well i should say okay so after misa the dark angel which is this one there was a uh a movie called Awakening, which was just a new, a a brand new reboot. And then there were two other movies called R-Page and B-Page, which those were together, but they were their own reboot. And then the creator of the manga directed a, a reboot movie in 2011. So, I don't know, good luck with whoever <laughs> goes further down this rabbit hole. So this franchise, actually, this is
0: interesting to me, because now you're almost, you're piquing my interest a little bit more, and you guys probably know why, because I'm realizing this is, this franchise is as confusing as The Ring and The Grudge.
1: Oh, yeah, if there's anything, uh, if there's one thing I, I think Trev learned about himself last year, was he loves overly convoluted Japanese horror franchises. <laughs> <laughs> um okay so uh and and from what i understand this was only sold as part three here in the states probably because so they could sell those damn trilogy boxes yeah, so they
0: could trick me into buying a box
1: set <laughs> uh okay but, so uh matt yeah godspeed buddy yeah i also say godspeed
2: to the listeners uh <laughs> if you ever watched this film basically in this one as bird alluded to first of all it's directed by uh Katsuhitu Ueno, who I know nothing about because there's like this director, according to a book called Flowers from Hell, which was by Jim Harper, um, says that Ueno also directed some of the TV episodes, which is, I assume, how they got okay. this. Yeah, so that's OK, that, that makes sense. It. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we have uh, our main prota- our protagonist again, Misa. And this time she does, in fact, live or hang out with her crazy uncle, who at the beginning of the film, there's, like, a autopsy going on and blood squirting out everywhere. And they don't know who the person is or how what happens. Uh, Misa goes to a new school, um, and she joins a drama club. And the drama club is doing some sort of satanic incantation, and they're practicing, you know, they're putting on a play or whatever. So they go to this... I don't remember if it's abandoned building, a, a, an old school that burnt down or something, but they end up going to this abandoned area. There's this old guy, and I assume this is where Bird was talking about how so many of the ideas were dropped from the, the TV series because this guy, he seems like that creep from the first movie who's going to grab people and, you know, touch them in inappropriate places. This guy says, and I quote, um, Nothing beats the scent of natural youth, and he's like Googling the girls as they're walking in. It's just really creepy and then like nothing really comes out of that like the girl's actually end up because of this incantation they end up getting moved to an entirely new area that's initially outside you have this whole evil dead sequence where one of the girls gets attacked by vines from a tree um and then you know you have the basic idea of okay the girls are going to start dying there's a sacrifice that needs to be had and then who's you know trying to figure out who is behind it all um it just moves really slow. but Like, it's... I, I. This is honestly one of my least enjoyable viewing experiences. I, I cannot stress how slow this movie fe- felt to me. Like, it was pulling teeth. I had to get up probably three times, and the movie, I think, is like a shade under 90 minutes or something. Um, but, you know, there's uh, the whole point of this drama club, and the whole point of the person who's the main villain in, in, in the movie, is that they're trying to bring back this thing called the Uh, I'm probably butchering that, but that's actually something that um, it's in a lot of other like anime. um, Well, what's the brotherhood? I'm trying to think of the uh, full metal alchemist brotherhood, which is actually a great anime has kind of a similar idea behind it. Basically it's this life form that is supposed to be perfect and it's born without a soul. And the whole idea of having the sacrifices is, is that they want the sacrifices of the people to go into this, um, this creation, and then they're going to sacrifice that thing to bring about this other god coming down to earth. It's like this, very similar to the first movie in some ways, where they're trying to resurrect uh, Lucifer, and then Misa has to do her thing, and she's fighting like these green monsters that are pretty ambiguous, and she's doing like jujitsu and stabbing them and kicking them and stuff. There's there's some of that going on. Um, it's it's boring, guys. I don't know what else to say about it. It's really really dull and slow. And uh, yeah. you're somebody else talking.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I definitely agree. I think this is uh, man, it's like five hours by way of 90 minutes, right? That's really how it feels when you watch it. It's I was really taken aback by how slow paced it is, especially the first half. I feel like it gets a little better and a little more interesting in the last act. But by that point, it's already kind of lost your faith a little bit because you've you've sat through so much. and I mean, man when especially when she hooks up with that like the drama troupe at the school and we just have to watch them rehearse this play for like a really long time and kind of just you know goof around at the school and deal with this guy that works lives there it's like (laughs) come on man let's get moving
1: yeah the the stuff with the rehearsal stuff really could have been cut down because there's several like extended scenes of that and you might need one
2: I don't remember, I, I want to forget this movie as quickly as possible. There ain't no way in hell I'm remembering some dude's name,
1: <laughs> anyway. Uh, um, uh, I mean, I, I do like the idea that this school play is actually like a front for this, uh, this ritual. Which actually, well, I think I, there's
0: like th- there's some really cool ideas at play here. That's what makes it even well, worse. I was gonna like, say,
1: it's, not only is it like a, a them trying doing this ritual like in disguise, but like it's uh. It's it's actually this one goes head full on into Lovecraft.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this one so. gets real. And then even I'm going to tiptoe around this without getting into spoilers. But I think the the opening of this one is pretty killer. Actually, the idea that we see this like this like woman like melting and she yells out Misa's name and then dies and like we don't know why and who this was and why it happened. And then you know her and her uncle do this autopsy and discover this like kind of incantation you know on her on her body. And that's what sends me to the school. And without giving it away, when we get the reveal at the end of what that was and how it happened, I was like, "Oh, that's actually pretty cool. Like that was a very clever idea, to that kind of brings everything around." And I was like, "Well, that's neat. Like mm-hmm. I deserve to be in a better movie, you know?"
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, like they they talk about all the old like the old ones and Cthulhu and Dagon and. Yeah, the the last act goes full Lovecraft, and that's that. I mean, that's when I tuned back in. But before before that last twenty minutes or so, uh, yeah, it's just a lot of screwing around with this stupid play. Um, uh, it almost feels, in a way, like I mean, it feel it. It almost feels like something that was a show that was condensed into like, of ninety minutes, and um, yeah, because of that, it 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 takes way too long to get going which i think if maybe you cut out i mean if you made this like an hour and 15 hour 20 i mean you probably could save a lot of the issues with it um it's just so much of the the beginning half is just uh it's very repetitive sequences of things that we already know Um, but like Trev said, there's some good ideas in there. I do enjoy the wacky uncle. Um, I like that he wears, uh, yeah, I, 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 I do like that he wears hilarious pajamas.
0: Uh, well, you know, you know what else I like about him? And it's not like it's something, again, this is another thing that doesn't really bother you that much in the first two. But it wasn't until I watched this one. And like you said, the uncle comes out of nowhere because obviously he's a character who's in the show, but had never been in the previous version. There's never any mention of her having an uncle in the other films or anything. And you're like, well, okay, why does she suddenly have a relative? But I did stop to think like, well, wait, in the original version, how is this like 15, 16 year old girl just transferring to school to school? Like, Uh,
1: yes, (laughs) who's doing the paperwork? (laughs) This would
0: explain that. (laughs) Yeah. So the fact that she has a relative and I just kind of like that, like, again, as a Buffy fan. It's kind of like her uncle's her Giles, right? The idea that she does have this person to confide in that also knows about the magic stuff. And she there are parts of the movie where she'll call him and tell him what's going on. And he gives her advice or, you know, they kind of like suss out together what to do next. And so, I actually, yeah, I like him too. I think he's a nice addition to the world.
1: Yeah. And I also like that he, he never cleans his workspace <laughs> like, like there, there's blood splatters all over the wall. And like, then uh, like a week later, it's still there. <laughs> so
0: what What did you guys think of like, like I wasn't super into this version of Misa though, this actress. And I feel bad saying that because this is an actress that has played Sadako before. Um, <laughs> she played Sadako actually in race, uh, Ra- or Racin. I don't know how exactly the, the pronunciation, but the, uh, the original sequel to the ring, the one that was a, almost immediately, um, nullified when they decided to do ringu 2 instead but uh yeah so she's in that she's also in uzamaki which is another awesome j horror film Oh, that movie's great but um she ain't nothing in this i don't <laughs> think
1: <laughs> yeah i like i like uh i like the og misa mm-hmm. more also i mean this one was oh i mean she wasn't bad she just didn't i don't know she didn't seem to have the gusto of yeah. of the last actress
2: Boring. That's all I got, fellas. She's boring. How many uh, boring movies?
1: Wow. I mean, I, I didn't hate. I, I mean, I probably didn't hate it as much as you. I wouldn't say it's like one of my worst viewing experiences by any means. Um, there's stuff. There is stuff to like here. Um, the opening. Uh, 15 minutes or so and the last 20 minutes or so are actually i think good and um the uncle is cool so uh for that i'll give it a two a mm,
0: i'd probably go at one and a half on this i don't i can't imagine wanting to revisit this one again
1: i wouldn't the other two I, I would go back to easily Um yeah i, w- I wouldn't go back to this one
2: all right, well, I'm going to preface my rating by saying there is a throwaway line. Uh, the uncle gets the script for this play that they're putting on, and he's reading through it. And there's this throwaway line where he says, the play has no plot and basically sucks. And that's, I was thinking, you know what? That is the best way to describe this movie. And so I'm going to rate this 8.5. Wow. <laughs> that's I think that's <laughs> a little
0: extreme, but... <laughs> <laughs> i i do wonder though too and i don't know for sure because it, you know a boring movie is a boring movie but i wonder if we all would like this one just a little bit more if we had seen that season of the show that's a because good then maybe point. we feel more of a connection to her as misa and to the uncle and i mean it's, it would still probably not be great but you might still have more affinity for this version of the world you know so i don't i don't know something to think about
1: that's a good point i didn't really think of oh, that you're though. right you're you're a hundred percent right. I'm sure that that would be the case because we basically we basically watched <laughs> season two of a show we never saw, yeah,
0: and then also I mean, you're also <laughs> you're you're looking at it the way we watched it, you expect it to be the third part of a series that it's not, right? So you also you have this idea of what Echo Echo Arzurek is, and suddenly you're given a completely different version of it. Um so that's just kind of jarring,
1: you know that's true. So, Bert, I gotta
2: ask, if someone is a lover of kaiju films, tokusatsu in general, would you recommend any of the films, all the films? What do you, what do you think?
1: Uh, I mean, I would recommend people branch out. Um, and I mean, this is, like we said, I mean, this is a very different side of uh, the Subaraya name. Um, and I, I, I think that people should understand that these studios, these writers, these directors are more than rubber monsters sometimes um so i mean I, I think if if they have the stomach for it um uh for you know i mean for gore and and things like that or an interest in horror i i would definitely recommend the first two movies no doubt um uh i, I mean i i would say i mean they might not be something someone goes back to but uh, this time of year, um, I mean, you can watch those two movies. They're nice and short. Um, they're atmospheric. Uh, they're they're interesting. They're different. Um, uh, now, the third one, on the other hand, I would say, eh, you know, you can probably skip. Um, it does look like, I don't know, I can't tell if these are in print or not because they aren't really marked as out of print, but then, like, you go to Amazon and stuff and they're all from third-party sellers, but they are at pretty decent prices, um, the DVDs run around 8 to 10, um, and the box set runs around 25 to 30. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I I would I would say people should check these out if they think it, it's something that might interest them. Um, now, am I going to recommend it to, like, a 7-year-old who thinks Godzilla Final Wars is, like, the best thing ever? <laughs> no, I'll say, you know, <laughs> give him another 10 years, and, and then we'll talk.
2: Yeah, if you're a fan of of Kaiju and Tokusatsu, and you also enjoy horror, the first two are definitely worth watching. I would recommend you skip the third one myself, unless you were just like, I really like the idea of witches and schoolgirls and chants. Like, if that's your thing, then check uh, out the third one. go watch The Craft. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> um. I mean, it does. I, I'll say because we liked two out of the three, it makes me open to watching the others if I ever could get my hands on them. Yeah, I if, if just they, to see what the various reboots are like. You yeah,
1: know? if they weren't so elusive here in the states, I would, I would definitely check them out. I, I think the fourth one, which was another reboot, I think that one has a tra- uh, was translated, um, probably like a fan sub, but I have seen it out there and on like the gray market b page and r page or whatever i don't as far as i know no one has translated it so good luck with that one but yeah no i would i would watch more of these if i could get my hands on them
0: wonder if that's just that's i guess that's just a cultural thing huh? i mean it's not like we're certainly not immune to reboots here but it's pretty interesting how much people in america bitch about reboots and then you look at series like this or like the ring or the grudge and man that'll just like every two movies they're like screw it let's start all over and it's like you know <laughs> it's they, like they're really and then you look at something like the millennium series with godzilla i mean it's yeah, like
1: literally every, every movie every movie but yeah. one did that <laughs> that is that is interesting i never really thought of how often that seems to happen
2: mm-hmm.
1: bizarre but um yeah death note we talked about death note like they did a few tv series reboots and stuff too
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just like they they love telling the start again. I guess I don't know.
1: I don't know. Is it because like maybe like ha- like they they run out of money to do another one, and then instead of like waiting a few years, they just oh we got to start all over.
2: I thought you meant ideas. They ran out of ideas. I don't. I don't know. It's definitely. I mean, I don't think that. It seems like that industry doesn't have like a. They don't have to have continuity in everything. Whereas, like, here, if you're rebooting, everybody expects the next film to be a direct sequel and in the, in the sequel after that. So it's, I don't know, maybe it's tied to that.
1: Hell, oh, even their franchises that have continuity, they, it's, like... It's, it's loose at best. It's barely.
2: Like, <laughs> well, if you think of the, you know, the show with Godzilla films, I mean, that's... Um, there's, there, there's continuity, but it's very loose.
1: Someone, I mean, does anyone understand the Ultraman continuity? Because I don't.
2: Yeah, it's insane. I sort of do. I, I say that as somebody who watches like a, a gazillion Ultraman episodes a week because my son loves it.
0: I, mean, I feel I, like you guys are probably Facebook friends of at least a few people who know the Ultraman continuity.
1: Yeah. I think I think Eric probably knows a lot. I don't. It's really complicated. <laughs> it, it
2: is. It is. There's like <laughs> different. There's different timelines, and they sort of cross over, and they like cross over timelines entirely for movies and stuff. It's, it's crazy. I wonder
0: if they
1: have a keeper of the holocron. They should. It's, it's how's that guy doing? I wonder because uh, that still works for Lucasfilm. So. Okay, well, they, he needs a, we, the Echo Echo Azarok needs a guy like that.
0: Yeah, well, it ain't gonna be me because that would mean having to remember part three, and, uh, <laughs> and you, you don't want yeah. to. <laughs> well, I mean, no.
2: look, look at the manga. Like the manga is essentially each individual volume is like separate from the rest of them they just tell it's like a collection of short stories involving misa essentially is what you can look at it as and that's basically what this third movie does as well
1: okay so so overall uh between the three movies it's kind of a mixed bag but uh if you take all three into consideration i think it's probably more good than bad
0: i'd agree Yeah. yeah
1: um all right, well, I, I guess that's it for now. Um, we uh, we have a couple more horror-centric things lined up for the month. Uh, and me and Trev will have some if- stuff on If It Bleeds, so uh, uh, keep watching horror movies and do whatever else you'd like to do this time of year. Eat candy. What else do people do, Trev? Is that it, pretty much?
0: Uh, yeah, I just spook some people. Um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) jump out jump out of corners at people
0: yeah um you know murder your family and then chase after your sister years later i don't know you know the typical halloween stuff yeah yeah and also really quickly go see blade runner 2049 damn it like there's no reason that movie should be bombing just had to throw that in there
1: i agree no it's it's it's, good yes it is good and it shouldn't be bombing i agree um Alright, well I guess we'll uh I guess I guess we'll wrap up, fellas. So uh good night everyone. See ya.